Disobedient, my little deviant. Together we will find the right ingredient. We will stir the goop that is the horror soup. And the last thing you will find is a spaghetti hoop. There's eyes and flies and anything that dies. There's a nasty surprise in every Twenty thirteen, Renezme from fucking Twilight, like fucking Bella Swan and Robert Pattinson's child is in this movie right after Twilight. Like right after it just started going off. I don't know why she's in- she kind of plays the same character too. Doesn't say anything, doesn't do anything really. Is kind of just there, but kind of bangs her head on a wall a few times. Oh, and this has nothing to do with Amityville. Well, I'll explain that. Will you though? This had nothing to do with I will. With... I will. I have I have paragraphs. I I'm glad you have paragraphs because I was I was watching this the whole time. I thought it was going to be like a 2 second mention or something. I didn't see a house. I didn't see them mention it. I didn't hear like a single thing. So I hope you do have something. Anyway, thank you to Cheyenne Brooklyn and I eat calamari for donating on Patreon. I like the last name. Um I also eat calamari, so I just was, I'm a little, I love Calamari and I love that name. I'm just a little disappointed because Cheyenne and Brooklyn are sticking with the city theme. You got Cheyenne and Wyoming and mm. Brooklyn, New York. And then like Calamari. Mm. You just think it's, you think it's not enough? Yeah. Yeah. It's not. Not unless you send Caleb and I free Calamari. Oh, that's true. That's true. If you send Calamari, Kim will uh, retract her decision. Yeah. I'll retract it. I'll retract it immediately. So a new movie poll is up for January. The current theme is werewolf movies. And if you would like to get involved in picking and voting on the movie options and all that stuff, check out patreon.com slash horror soup. Vote for your favorite horror movie for us to discuss on the the, the podcast. This old thing. Yeah. So uh, I'm Caleb. I have Kim here. I, I guess welcome to another Amityville episode. Ish. I mean. Ish. I'll explain. But ish. Heavy on the ish. When are we explaining? Are we explaining like now or later? I'll I'll ex- I'll explain now. This is fitting. This is fitting. I have notes. I have notes. I'm gonna I'm gonna legit read. Before we get into this Amityville episode, tell the people why this is still somehow an Amityville episode. <laughs> right. Okay. So good question. So let me let me backtrack into like the discussion around even covering this. You guys are probably like, well, why did you and Caleb even decide to cover The Conjuring? Doesn't even seem like an Amityville movie. That is fair, too, because some people might be hopping into this since The Conjuring is arguably way more known and uh, popular than the Amityville movie. So some people could be hopping in and don't know that we are on a venture and we've already covered 11 Amityville movies. And for some reason, this is our 12th in the series right now. Exactly. So we've been covering Amityville for Jesus. (sighs) Probably the better part of a year now. At least. Yeah, it's all, we're pushing a year at this point. It, it might have started like a year and a half ago when you first um, made me cover uh, the Amityville 2005. Yeah, we're, I think we're, we're getting around that time range. Pretty ironic that you started all of this, huh? I know, it's bullshit. It's another discussion. But we've watched many Amityvilles, and we've done our research at this point to understand how many Amityvilles are in the Amityville universe. 
Caleb came across some very stealthy lists, and and we've noticed that a few of them have the Conjuring. We don't know exactly how many there. We're getting close to figuring out exactly how many there are. We have no fucking idea how many Amityvilles are going to be in this universe. Let's be real. We'll never know because they're going to make one every month until we die. So you guys are going to have us until you die. You're fucking welcome. Basically. Thank you, Kim. Thank you. But Caleb has found many lists in which the conjuring kept reoccurring. So it brought up the question of both of us, like, why is the conjuring on here? And then do we talk about it? Yeah. Do we talk about it? And we both heard loosely that there was some affiliation with the conjuring and Amityville. So I'm here to clear that up because I did some research because I was like, this is bothering me when I was watching the movie because I agree, Caleb. I didn't see any Amityville. There's only one Amityville reference and it's very, very brief at the very end. Oh, there is. Okay. Oh, yeah, you might be right. It's very minor. You're right. In the very end, I guess there kind of is. But you know what? When we watched the trailer, they showed the Amityville house. Which is also very misleading. Yeah, where was that? That wasn't there. So I'm going to break it down by film. So the original Conjuring movie from 2013, what we're covering today. This is based upon the real life and the true supernatural events experienced by the Perrin family that took place in Rhode Island in 1971. So after they moved into their farmhouse, over a course of multiple years, actually, this was like pretty much a decade, they started experiencing an array of supernatural events and sightings. And they ended up calling Ed and Lorraine Warren, who we know are famous demonologists who are portrayed in the film. And they ended up visiting their house over over the course of those multiple years. It eventually led to the seance on the wife who was allegedly possessed by a spirit, Bathsheba Sherman, who was a reported Satanist. This is all, you know, reported true. And you're talking about the, the what, the Perrin family right now? Mm-hmm, the okay. Perrin family. So it, it parallels to the film almost identically, right? If you guys watch The Conjuring, which we'll get into in a few minutes, this is everything that pretty much happens. Um, all the way up to the, the Warrens even claim that the exorcism um, where the wife gets lifted up in the chair, that really happened allegedly to the Perrin family. Allegedly. So that's the Perrin family. The only reference to Amityville in this entire movie is at the very end when they clear the exorcism, the family's back to normal, the Warrens go back to their house and they're in their museum that's in their house with all the artifacts. And she walks in and she's like, oh, hey, we have another thing to go check out. Yeah, Lorraine says there's a case in Long Island I'd li- they'd like us to discuss. So they're obviously referencing Amityville because it's notably taking place in Long Island. And then the movie shortly ends. That's The Conjuring. And that's how the second movie starts, because I got into, like, the first 10, 20 minutes, because I was kind of pissed, too. I was like, where the fuck is the Amityville shit? And then that happened, Mm -hmm. so I started the next one, and it literally, basically, it starts off, like, right after that. They're like, hey, we're here at this call. We're with the Lutz family, et cetera, et cetera, Amityville. But it only lasts, like, a couple minutes, and then they're like, but the Amityville is not the important part. Let's go talk about something else. I'm like, wait, why'd you even mention it? So now I'm going to explain Amityville. And hopefully this clarifies everything. So that's Conjuring. Amityville, as all of you listeners probably know who have been listening for a while, based upon the DeFeo murders that took place in Amityville, New York, a.k.a. Long Island, in 1974. So this is three years after the Perrin family's experiences began. And then one year later in 1975, the Lutz family moves in. They start claiming all these supernatural events. They actually requested help from Ed and Lorraine Warren. Ed and Lorraine Warren did go to the Amityville house, I guess. And Lorraine Warren actually claims, I was reading several sources that 
she really did believe the house was haunted. Like, she was like, this is real. Like, this shit's fucking haunted. So they were affiliated with the Amityville house. However, as we know, unlike the Perrin family story, the supposed hauntings that the Lutz claimed ended up allegedly being a hoax years later. So who knows really how much of it was true, what was haunted, what was not. Unlike the Perrin family, the Amityville story is like really debated because it doesn't seem likely that a lot of that happened. There was likely some supernatural shit, but likely not to the extreme that they were making it out to be. But really at the same time, doesn't that kind of bring up the question of is anything that Ed and Lorraine Warren did? Yeah, is any of it true? And that's why I put in, in the parent story, like, allegedly. Like, who really knows? It's all subjective. Like, if you weren't there, how the fuck would you know, you know? But you have to take it at face value. Um, but even though despite all the hoax claims, we know that the, those reports, along with the parents' family story, went on to influence the Amityville Horror film franchise, which has turned into this never-ending fucking dumpster fire that we're in. So in sum... What I have chalked this up to is The Conjuring really has very little to do with Amityville, and Amityville really has nothing to do with anything. (laughs) The only connection between the two is that they had the same demonologist. There's literally no other connection. There's no reason why The Conjuring films should be included in the Amityville franchise. If anything, the Amityville-like films should be included in The Conjuring (laughs) That's that's a great way to put it. I mean, honestly, all 40-something Amityville movies should just be in the Conjuring universe. Yeah, because apparently in the in the Warrens' like basement in their museum where they had all those artifacts, they did have a lot of shit on Amityville in there. I was reading like photos and artifacts from the house, but none of that is mentioned in the Conjuring film. So again, like it doesn't make sense why the Conjuring, which was focused on that parent family, would be in the Amityville universe. At least not the first one, but I think... Yeah, not the first one, like... Maybe they just added it because the second one. Yeah, I think the only reason is because this is the movie that popularized Ed and Lorraine Warren. And they were only previously known for like, I mean, not only, but obviously they were mainly known for being a part of the whole Amityville fucking herbacle. What do you want to call it? Whatever the fuck is going on. All that bullshit. Yeah, it's confusing because even when you brought this up to me, I was like, we both, I think, had that kind of, like, Stockholm Syndrome thing where we're like, oh, The Conjuring's based upon Amityville. Like, it's the yeah. same house. And it's not. It's, it's not, not at all. Like, no. they're, they're so different. So it's it's really convoluted. But think of them as two separate things. Same demonologist. Because apparently Ed and Lorraine Warren were always known for Amityville and whatnot, but they, quote-unquote, didn't talk about this one. This was the story that they, like, kind of kept themselves because it was so terrifying and, like, really stuck with them and blah, blah, blah. And that's the message you get in the beginning of the movie where they're like, this is the story that they kept deep down, really stuck with them over the years, blah, blah, blah. Here it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's the history. It was actually pretty fascinating reading about some of the stuff and the artifacts that they had and some of the different cases. Like, I had read on it in high level, but, like, I never really went down a deep dive. But I was, like, destined to understand what the connection between Amityville and The Conjuring is, and it's it's very loose. What you're saying about the whole, like the Amityville movies should have been part of the Conjuring universe. Now that I'm looking at the timeline, we previously said that the 2005 Amityville was the resurgence of Amityville, but I don't think that's true. 2005 came out, Haunting came out, Asylum came out, and then it's Conjuring, and then after that, there's a million Amityville movies. There's only two Amityvilles in between. I still don't think that the Conjuring, like, I don't think most people, if you went down the street and asked them if they had any affiliation, would think they were affiliated. So I wouldn't even, I, I don't necessarily see that. But do you think it could be people just 
being more aware of Ed and Lorraine Warren and then looking into their stuff and then going, yeah. oh, this is this is easily the most known thing about exactly. them. It's the Amityville. Exactly. That's what I that's all I think it is. I, that's all I think it is. Did you ever hear anyone talking about Ed and Lorraine Warren before The Conjuring? No, no, no way. Not unless you were in that, like, unless you were in the supernatural studies. Exactly. So I don't know. There has to be some kind of connection with that because I used to think it had to have been the 2005, but there's only a couple movies in between that. And then right after The Conjuring came out, there's a million Amityville movies. Mm -hmm. You're you're probably right. I mean. And after two came out, there's way more. There's only four Amityville movies in between The Conjuring, the first one, and the next Conjuring. And then there's fucking like 30. It's a fair point. I mean, I, I think you're spot on when it comes to like people probably were more fascinated by Ed and Lorraine because to me they were they're the they're the biggest fascination with all of these events. It's like hearing their stories and I wonder if that's if that's what happened. Now now that you bring that up, I want to ask this question. I was going to ask you at the end of the movie, but since we're already talking about all of this anyway, I do wonder. Do you think this movie would be like? world's different if it was still the exact story but it didn't have the ed and lorraine warren background in it like for example you know like i feel like this is like i said the first big thing that introduced them and it was the first thing in the conjuring universe also so they kind of had to include it in the whole story but if they didn't have all of that you know um and like all the other conjuring stories i feel like ed and lorraine warren are in them but they're not like as big of a focal point as this one, at least from what I remember. I could be kind of wrong because I haven't watched all of them in a while and I haven't even seen mm -hmm. every single one of them. But if they didn't do all of that and they had them more as like a background character, as I remember them in some of the other Conjuring Universe movies, do you think this would just turn into like another basic haunted house thing kind of like Amityville? I, I agree. I agree. And I, I, I did agree to the sentiment like I, I had notes that I was going to cover later, too, but I agree like. I think that they, I think that uh, Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga made the movie. They're the stars of the show, like for sure. They're the stars of the show. And I have a lot of notes around rewatchability here. And I think they're really the only saving grace when you think about like replay value. Yeah. Like they're, they're the most captivating part of the film. And that storyline, like the actual hauntings and jump scares aren't the same after the third, fourth, fifth watch. And I would even say after the after the first act, because I feel like when it first starts coming in, it's kind of coming in really hot. And I'm like, because I started writing that question down uh, before I like, you know, got got into it. And then I was like, OK, the first 30 minutes, kind of like whatever. But I was like, it's a lot of Ed and Lorraine Warren. So I feel like maybe that's kind of taken away from the story itself. But then as it started mm -hmm. going into it, I was like, oh, OK, this is actually doing some stuff on its own. But I'd say after maybe like the 45 minute mark, I felt like I'd already seen everything that I could have seen with the family. And then it just kept going with Ed and Lorraine Warren after that. And then I started thinking, yeah, if they weren't here, would this even be a good movie? At first I thought yes, but then I went back on it. I don't think it would, personally. I think Vera Farmiga did a really good job playing oh, yeah. Lorraine. Like she was probably the creepiest part of this movie. Yeah, for um, sure. For me. And I think Patrick Wilson, he's obviously an insidious um, and does a good job as well. But yeah, I think without them, it would have been lacking a lot. Isn't that crazy that Patrick Wilson is such like a big character in this whole in like James, James Wan universe of like paranormal he things? He has a hard on for Patrick Wilson. I don't yeah, know what it is, that's but crazy. he does play the roles well. But yeah, it's so random. It's so it's so random. He's in that movie uh, Hard Candy, too, with uh, Elliot Page. So good. He does do a good job playing like the nice guy who gets deranged really quickly, like the fine line. 
He's a really good actor. All right, speaking of James Bond, we got to talk about production. Okay, we'll get into that in a second, but hold on, hold on, Kim. I have some stuff too. So I was oh, doing God. a Twitch stream just last night, and I was watching this yeah. terrible Easter movie called Peter Rotten Tail. And okay, so I'm looking into what other movies these dudes have done. They're known as the Polonia Brothers. I'm trying to see what okay. else they have directed, and I come across Amityville oh, Death no. House, Amityville Exorcism, and Amityville Island. We just watched the trailer for Death House, and we know how we know how bad that looked. It is not the next Amityville we're doing, but the Amityville after. <laughs> So how bad was Peter Rottentail then? Because Look, I'd seen Peter Rottentail before a couple years ago. The horror show talked about it like years ago, and they were literally just like, this is the worst movie in the history of the world. But the conversation was hilarious. I watched it, and I remember when I first watched it. Oh, my God. My whole. Oh, <laughs> wow. Did you have a paranormal experience? You Pepper guys, Caleb's, Caleb's fucking haunted. That literally looked like something flew across. Absolutely flew across the screen. Man, I guess this movie really is haunted. It did look like something just fucking flew across your screen. Dude, I know. I literally just looked in the corner and I saw my big old fucking studio light just slowly going, and I was like, all right, awesome. Pepper's like, I actually love Peter Rottentail. He does that all the time, and every time he does it, I look over, because I assumed it was him. I was like, there's no other way that would have been falling. And I look over, and he's always just sitting there, just like staring at me. (laughs) What you gonna do, bro? Yeah, he's just like, welp, and I'm like, okay, like, all right. (laughs) Oh fuck! What were we talking about? Uh, I don't know exactly where we are when that happened. You were just you were just tying up Peter Rottentail. Okay, well, uh, guys, I don't know if I'm uh, at the wrong spot for this audio recording, but my whole a lot of things just fell right now, so I lost for a second. Um, but basically, the horror show covered it. It was really bad. I watched it. I remembered kind of liking it, even for how bad it was, and then I watched it again with the Twitch stream the other day, and I was literally falling asleep. It was so hard to watch in full. I might have watched it on my phone or something last time while I was, like, doing something, because it's just a YouTube movie. I don't... I think it's even hard to find the DVD because of not how rare it is, but how fucking bad it is that it's not anywhere. (laughs) They're like, we can't print this. Yeah, they probably printed, like, three, and now it is rare just because they were like, why would we ever print another one? No one bought it. (laughs) It's really bad. Um, But these Polonia Brothers dudes... They've made a ton of, like, mockbuster, shitty movies, etc. And then I'm going into this, and I'm like, this is why there's so many Amityville movies. Because there's assholes like these guys that don't know when to fucking back off. Totally. Totally. Dude, they made the Death House. They made the Exorcism one. Kim, the shark one. Remember the shark one? That's them. That's them, too. They. We need to get them on the show just to confront them. They've been making movies, or one of them, I think it's uh, Mark Polonia. He's been making movies since, like, the 80s. Like, he's actually, like, an old fuck now, and he's still making, like, weird-ass mockbusters. He can't let it go. Imagine me, me and the guy at the bar. What do you do for a living? He's like, I uh, direct movies. Uh, I don't know if you heard about any of them, but... Uh, I've made 13 Amityvilles. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Yeah, so we're going to be getting into one of those very soon. I think I'm going to... um. I think I'm probably going to have to give you homework, and I'm going to make you watch Peter Rottentail before we watch Death no, House. No, you can't fucking make me do anything. I already fucking agreed to watch all 50 of these. You're not going to be like, hey, I'm going to give you some fucking homework, Kim. Go s- s- suck my ass, Caleb. I'll watch it with you. You guys just you feel better. fucking pretentious, Caleb sounded. I may have to give you some homework and have you have you watch Peter Rottentail. Like, <laughs> It'll be a fun time. No. Absolutely not. Fucking asshole. <laughs> well, Steven Kutler. Uh, Cutler? I think it's a C-O-U, but I don't know. Cutler? Um, it's probably Coltair. Cutler. Coltair. Steve Coltair, a.k.a. Gordon, is a priest in Furious 7, which 
I don't know. I think it's kind of weird that some of them are called fast and some of them are called furious and then some furious. are a variation. I don't get like what what's the difference? Why are some of them? I don't know. You're barking others... up the wrong tree. Okay. I stopped after like the fourth one. <laughs> well, do you remember that guy Brad in this? No, I haven't seen the seventh one. No, in this in this movie, oh, the Conjuring. Brad was he like one of the demonologists like assistants? Yeah, he was like the with cop the guy, the cop guy with the yeah, mustache. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. His name is John Brotherton. <laughs> Brotherton. <laughs> Brother. Brother. <laughs> of course, he has a big mustache too. Yeah, he's also in Furious Seven. That's not the important part. I was just like, his name is Brotherton. Like, I didn't even care about him that much in this movie. Like, he got his cheek bit off. That was about it. Right. Uh, that was cool, I guess. <laughs> That's hilarious. And yeah, James Wan directed Fast Seven, so that makes sense. That was one of my fun facts. That blew me. I was like, wait. I have this in my notes. I have a lot of notes. I have like two paragraphs on James Wan. Did, okay, well, that's fine. Let's just get into James Wan. Oh, wait, no. Little sidetrack. The mom in this, uh, Carolyn, that's Lily Taylor, and she was Verna in the 2017 Leatherface. She was Leatherface mom. Oh, she was. Yeah. I was trying to think. I didn't even like look into her that much. I was trying to think of what else she's been in. Mainly the only um, people that interested in me in this was Vera Farmiga, Patrick Wilson, um fucking <laughs> Mackenzie Foy fucking Breaking Dawn alumni <laughs> like dude she you can never go Twilight anywhere movies. I went on her Instagram too that chick can't go anywhere without being called the kid of Bella and Edward <laughs> I I can see it I was never a Twilight fan like you were but those fans are diehard once you're in that psychotic yeah you're always gonna be in that universe yeah, and I mean, honestly, she looks the same. Like, she looks the same in this movie. She looks the same now that she's, like, 21 years old, like, 10-something years later. Like, she looks exactly the same, so she can never live it down. She's kind of just, like, a robot, too. I watched a couple of her videos, and I was very convinced that she was, like, an AI. Like, it was kind of scary. I was like, why are you the same thing? Like, I feel like you just have to be a robot to be in Twilight. You might. Those movies are fucking dog shit. Worst acting I've ever seen in my life. Pretty great. Sorry, Caleb. Hey, we got Robert Pattinson out of them. Yeah, he's okay. Okay, okay. We'll, we won't get into this. Yeah, we're not. That's a warrants a whole other discussion. Did you know that James Wan is an executive producer on the new I Know What You Did Last Summer? I did, of course. <laughs> <laughs> did you just ask me that? Which is so bad. I will say, even myself, who's diehard, I know what you did last summer. Kim, I Kim, couldn't. You don't. Make you don't it. need to tell. I couldn't make Kim, it through the first episode. You don't need to tell anyone. I played your clip last episode. <laughs> I know you it didn't. Bad. You didn't finish the last episode yet, but you'll hear yourself at the end oh, of God. it. Oh God! All right, I can't wait. I can't wait. I won't. I won't repeat it then. You guys already heard it. No, you can say it's it bad. again. Go ahead. You don't like it. It's just bad. Yeah, I was really sad. They could have done so much better with it. Did you fit? I know you said you only watched like two episodes. Did you keep going? No, I like physic, and those were so hard to get. Kim, through. Kim, Kim. I will say, my you know one of my best friends, Neo, right? Yeah. She already watched the whole ass thing. She watched it like literally before I even told her about it. I don't know how, how did she, she make it. She, she just I mean, like she sits around at home. You know, she, also, she, she also said that Mirrors was a good movie, though. So I don't, I don't I love you, Nia, but I don't know. Look, Nia says a lot of ridiculous <laughs> things, but she said that after the first couple episodes, it gets better. And it like okay. starts to work. So I don't know. Maybe there's some hope. Me, me, James, and you all have not got past the first two episodes because I was talking about James with it. And he was so like, "Yeah, I, I went through a few." And James and I like. I know what you did last. Yeah, summer. you both do. So like, I don't know. Maybe it gets better after it's the hard. first two. Maybe. And I don't even like it. Like I'm diehard. Caleb knows this. Like it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I will live and die by it. I yeah. I'll give it another shot. 
I'll give it another shot. But. I mean, for someone who loves as much as you do, maybe you should. Yeah. As your guy, James Wan. James fucking Wan. Can we talk about this guy? I have a lot to say. Yeah, what do you have to say about James Wan? I, all I really had about James Wan was the, uh, <laughs> I know what you did last summer in the Furious 7 thing. At least for this episode. I mean, if you want me to talk shit about Malignant, I'll talk about Malignant for like another 15 well, minutes. No, no. Because <laughs> nah, you know we'll get, we'll get into a let's whole hour long to me. We've shit on Malignant enough. We've done it enough. I just want to talk about like budget, him, his catalog, which you talked about a little bit. But because I think like a lot of people, even myself, like we have an idea of James Wan's catalog. But I don't think we have like a really good sense of what he's done and how he's still doing what he's doing. I think that's the question I had. It's like... The perception I have of James Wan is like, he's like a Michael Bay. Like, he's had a couple of good movies, but then a lot are trash. But he has all this money, and he keeps fucking making these movies. Like, how and why? And then all the ones he does have, they all have the same basic structure. Like, you could you could watch a movie and just tell you're watching a James Wan tell movie. Tell James Wan movie. Yeah, there's a clear aesthetics. I'm glad you said that. That's a lot of what I have. So, okay, let's talk about Conjuring. So, budget for this movie was $20 million. Box office was three hundred nineteen point five million. A lot so he made, of money. He made three hundred fucking million from this movie alone. Granted, this was his third like big movie, right? And dude, and that's something we've talked about a million times. These horror directors come out, they make like one or two things, and everyone starts sucking their dick, and they make so much money. Like they don't even have right. to make something that good. They just make right. something that interests people or goes viral, and then everyone anticipates the next thing they do, right. and like so many people show up to see this movie. So he's fat. And this is why I think why. So I, I opened with The Conjuring first because then I, I want to backtrack to like what he did, what he most notably directed, I guess, pre-Conjuring. Conjuring is 2013. So we begin his his debut directorial breakout film was 2004 with Saw. So whether you sit on the fence of, okay, now rewatching Saw, you're not the biggest fan. It was iconic when it came out. I remember people flooding the theaters. It was a big deal. That was his debut film. He made over $100 million off that alone. So, like, he's coming in, first movie, off the gate. It was a prolific film at the time. Nothing like it at the time. He made $100 million. Follows it up three years later with Dead Silence in 2007, which was a flop. <laughs> he, the budget here was $20 million, which is fucking crazy. For Dead Silence, the budget was $20 million. There's no big actors in Dead Silence. Uh, well, there's Jason Stackhouse, but he, it's Jason Stackhouse, but he wasn't even Jason Stackhouse yet at the time. That's what I'm saying. Like, it was all CGI, clearly. Like, $20 million for that. They only grossed $22 million. So he made, like, no money. Yeah. Isn't that fucking bad? I didn't realize. I thought, I would have thought Dead Silence did better, even though it was a bad movie. I forgot what the box office was. I mean, I remember discussing that on the show and talking mm -hmm. about it. And I remember it didn't make much, but I, didn't realize, I forgot that it was only $2 million. That's pretty rough. Only two. So he, he flopped on a second film. So then he redeems himself three years later with Insidious, as we all know, in 2010, which was a box office and a horror hit. Now that I'm remembering Dead Silence 2, it ju there's just a dude running around shaving himself the whole fucking movie. I'm glad that movie flopped. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not, a good, it's not a good movie. I understand why critically it flopped, but you would think the director of Saw, like, I think and he just people... had such a high fucking budget. He just yeah. over I think he just spent too much on CGI, because if he didn't spend any money on CGI... He would have made a, a decent amount for this movie, but he fucking did. So whatever. He comes out with Insidious two years later, redeems himself, made ninety eight million off that. And I remember Insidious being good. Yeah, Insidious is a good movie. Like I still stand by Insidious. So from these three movies alone, Insidious, Dead Silence, Conjuring, he's already made five hundred million dollars. Like this guy's like 
and he obviously he's not netting all that, but he's he's made a fuck ton of money. Yeah. And he's just putting it back into film. So this is why now, if you look at James Wan's catalog, you see movies like Fast and Furious 7, Aquaman, Malignant. Like, he's just doing crazy shit with his fucking money. Like Michael Bay. Like a lot of these big actors who like to do the action, the the CGI shit. His movies have grossed like $3 billion, I saw. Like, it's stupid. Like, he has so much money. I mean, Aquaman made an outrageous amount of money, I'm sure. And that movie fucking sucked. I didn't see it, but I heard it was so bad. Dude, and James Wan wrote the story to that, too. But then I looked at the IMDb on that, like, today, and it was like a 7.5. And I'm like, no one had that energy for that when it came out. Like, it definitely was not a 7.5 movie. I saw that movie. It fucking blew me away with how terrible it was. Yeah, so and I think I think a big part of this too and something you you mentioned a few minutes ago was like James Wan's aesthetic, right? Like you can look at a movie and you can tell that's a James Wan film. I think that also carries a lot of why he's still making so much money because you either fall in the line of you love it or at this point you think it's kind of dog shit and there may be a gem here and there, which is probably where a lot of the movie buffs are at. But it appeals commercially. It's weird because it is hard to completely hate James Wan, even as much as like as much as I watch a lot of his movies and I get annoyed or pissed off. I'm like, I don't know. I don't hate James Wan. Like, I don't love him, but I don't hate him. Yeah, I agree. I, I have to respect him for what he's done. And he has a vision. It doesn't it's not a vision that I like to necessarily indulge in frequently. I think it's very it's very convoluted. Um, but his aesthetic is interesting. Like the thing that I've chalked it up is, is like he very, he focuses in on his protagonist. I think when the comment you made of like, you see a movie and you know, it's a James Wan film. I think it's because of how he plays up the protagonist. So the demons or the ghost or whoever the fuck the protagonist is in the movie, they all move very quickly. Like they're sprinting, they're coming at you. They're attacking you. They're very confrontational. They're loud. But they'll kick your ass. So it's like he's blending like Asian horror like demons with like the tropes you see in like zombie and action films where they're like sprinting and fucking kicking yeah, your ass. Like, so, like, like a train du Busan kind of like zombie. Yeah. Yeah. So like you get that with the demon. And I think, again, I think commercially that does really well, which is why I think Malignant is, got a lot of commercial, you know, praise. But then critically, it's getting ripped to shreds because it's that. And you see that in The Conjuring, even, like, with the demons in this movie. You see it with Insidious. Like, I think that's when I nail down, like, what makes James Wan who he is and when I was trying to think about this movie. And the reason why I say it is because the whole time I was watching this, I was like, this movie was, like, hyped. Like, when people, when this movie came out, it was hyphy. It was like, this is the movie that's putting horror back on the map. And it still has really great critical reviews. But I was like, why is it that good? Like, they didn't do anything. The storyline wasn't wasn't anything special. No, and it confused me because even when you were texting me about it, you're like, hey, we're covering a really good movie. I look up the reviews again. I'm like, okay, like, starting to look into stuff as I'm watching it, before I'm watching it, after, whatever the hell. Everything's really Mm -hmm. glowing. Everyone really likes it for the most part. But then when I was watching it, like, I, I was having the same experience for half of it. But then the second half, I was like, this is just another fucking James Wan bullshit. The replayability on this one, like a lot of James Wan films, like Saw, which I love Saw, but it is what it is, right? Has no replay value. I think the replay value on this one is low as well. Like the the jump scares that 
made this in theaters that were terrifying are like not that scary. They're not as good anymore. Like, I mean, here, this says it enough. I saw this in theaters in 2013. I've never seen it again until right now when we're covering it. And I think what like Insidious did, which came out before this, obviously, and this one is like, those were two of the first movies, like recent movies where the demon was like in your face and like just like right there, very confrontational. And I think it worked for these two. But I think now I feel like we're a little bit desensitized to it. So I think it was also shock value. I think that's also what made this a little bit of what it was. Well, it's another thing where even though this was a 2013 James Wan and like Saw was what, like 2003 or something like that? This 2004, lo- yeah. Yeah, like you said, this is still one of his earlier movies. So like we're still getting used to what James Wan is doing and whatnot. And it wasn't like as repeated at this time you know like you think of 2013 as not yeah. that long ago but i guess in terms of james wan years it kind of is it's a while ago like yeah. those were his like those are he had three big movies and they were all three years apart and this was one of them yeah this was also written by chad and Corey hayes uh they seem to always write together and they wrote house of wax 2005 starring paris hilton such a great movie also, critical success. <laughs> Chad Hayes was in Death Spa from 1988, which is actually a movie I really like. I don't know who he was in there because there he was, was so in many. It. Okay. Yeah, there was so many people like exploding and other things happening, but he might have just been a random fucking like workout dude or something. I don't know, but he was in that. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. I didn't even look at who wrote this. And also, this was the 20th highest-grossing film to come out of New Line Cinema, which, I mean, I believe it. It is kind of crazy. Like, I mean. Uh... As much shit as we might talk about this, I mean, making $322 million off of a horror movie is pretty crazy. I mean, the highest yeah. New Line Cinema movies are Lord of the Rings for the one and two spot, and then number three is It. But, you know, It made crazy money. Yeah, I I mean, here's the thing. Like, I don't think... I mean, I personally talked about this before. I by no means really have a lot of shit to talk about this movie. Even the things that, you know, we just discussed. Like, these are just, like me trying to rationalize why this is the way it is. I don't think it's a bad movie at all. I don't I think either. it's solid. But I, I think it's just I think it's just solid. Like I don't think it's anything above it. I used to have a totally different opinion. When I first saw this, I thought it was terrifying. I was like, I agree. This put horror on the map. And now when I rewatch it, I'm like, am I missing something? Like I also feel like we're in such a divergent era of horror that it's hard for me to relate to this, but I don't know why. It's just the theater craze, you know? You James Wan knows how to put on a good theatrical movie. That's true. Because even... Did you see Malignant in theaters? Because I didn't. I couldn't remember no. if you did. Someone saw it in theaters. And I they saw were like, it on a projector screen in Bree and Mig's backyard. With It was me, Miggs, Bree, and Nia watching it. <laughs> my friend Chris saw it in theaters. We, like, we met up because he's a huge movie buff. And I was okay. like, we've got to talk about Malignant. And I was like, I fucking hate it. And he was like, oh! He's like, what? He's like... And I was like going off. I was like, yeah, I thought it was fucking terrible. And he's like, did you see it in theaters? And I was like, no. That doesn't make a movie a good movie. That doesn't make a good movie. Yeah, right. it, it right. makes that it a good experience. It yes. Like, I can't take that experience from you if you had a fun experience in the theater, blah, blah, blah. But that doesn't make it like a good, amazing movie. I agree. I totally agree. I wonder, yeah, I wonder how many people saw it in theaters versus not. Because I don't know. Everyone that I know that I saw yeah. it, I think we all just watched it at home and we pretty much all hated it. Probably because it came on HBO Max really quick, so I bet a lot of people were... And it was still... We're still in COVID times. I think it was HBO Max the same time it came out in theaters. So I remember seeing this in theaters. I remember... And we talked about this because we watched the trailer earlier on this. I remember when the trailer that was popularly advertised came out. It was not very 
exciting. Like it was the mom playing the hide and clap game and that was it. And I remember thinking that movie looks really fucking stupid. I had no interest in going to see this. And it was like, I was home for that summer from college and a couple of my guy friends had, were like, we're going to go see it. Do you want to check it out? And I was like, fine, fuck it. Like I'll go. And I remember in the theaters, like deeply regretting that decision because I had the total opposite. Like I was shitting my pants and everybody in the theater was shitting their pants. Like the scene where you first see the demon on top of the wardrobe. I remember everybody in the theater, like gasping in that moment. Um, but it was a totally different experience when I rewatch it years later at home. I was like, this wasn't scary. I remember when everyone first saw Paranormal Activity at theaters and there was all those like commercials and everything. <laughs> they were like, this is the scariest fucking thing ever. Like theaters do give people a very different experience watching a movie. They do. They totally do. Talk about great advertising on their part, though, with Paranormal Activity. I remember seeing that. I remember like, oh, we got to go fucking see this movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, they advertise it amazing. Me and James talked about it on the episode we did. But, I mean, I saw the trailers and stuff, and I was like, I got to go see this. And I was fucking pissed when I saw it. <laughs> I was right? so confused. FOMO. FOMO. Right. And then I started to think, did they pay people off to sit in a theater and jump? Because They like... <laughs> fucking did. No, well, no, they didn't because it was just the editing of the trailer. We figured that out because we like yeah. paused on the trailer and we were like, there's so many people that look so fucking bored in this, but they focused in on like one or two people that are like, oh my God. Yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. Um, okay, so right. back to Conjuring. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Conjuring came out in 2013 and had an 86% by critics on Rotten Tomatoes and 83% by the audience, an IMDb rating of 7.5, which is the same as Aquaman, which I really just don't get those scales at all. Okay, so, okay. It intros with Annabelle, and I didn't really realize that that was the beginning of the whole controversy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, the very first thing you see is Annabelle. I actually really like the intro of this movie. And you and you immediately get the introduction to Ed and Lorraine, um, which I think is really important. I thought the intro of this movie was really good. And I liked that they did start back with an artifact that opened up all of this sort of madness to what it ended up being in real life, which was Annabelle. Um, and that doll is creepy in the movie. They did a good job making a creepy doll. Yeah, they did the doll really well. Admittedly, I haven't seen... Annabelle, I haven't seen La Llorona, and I haven't seen Annabelle Creation. I did see uh, Annabelle Comes Home in theaters, okay, but I will tell you that, that Annabelle Comes Home. Yeah, I don't remember a single thing about that movie. I remember hating it. I remember like really, really hating it. Yeah, I saw Annabelle the first one, and that was it of that little series. And even Annabelle wasn't that good. Okay, yeah, I I remember hearing that. I think people like Annabelle, or maybe it was the second one. I'm sure people may have liked it, but it's not good. Yeah, I didn't like really I not. I just saw the last one in the series. I didn't like it, but I didn't know that that was how this whole thing started. Like I didn't mm -hmm. I really remember this movie a lot less than I even thought I did, and I didn't think I remembered much of it. Yeah. Um I actually still retained a lot, but I um again, it didn't hit me in the same re in the same sense that it did the first couple times I watched it. The one thing I want to call here is this is probably the only like thing that I'm going to shit on and it's going to be so brief in this entire movie. This movie took place in the 60s and 70s. Like, 
the Warrens, that was like the hype of their career. But why does Vera Farmiga Lorraine dress like she's a Puritan? Like she, she legit looks like a pilgrim. And if you look up old Lorraine Warren, she always had her legs showing. Like she looked like any other woman in the 70s. Like, I don't know why they're like, Vera Farmiga, we're going to put you in like a floor length, like turtleneck dress with like a corset on and like a pendulum necklace and your hair legit like, <laughs> like a Victorian updo. Well, have you seen Ed Warren? He literally looked like Joe from Impractical Jokers, except like if he was in the mob. Yes, he did. He did. Exactly. But like Patrick Wilson, Patrick Wilson looked fine. He looked like how I I, I did look up pictures of the words, but like he looked exactly like how they dress. But they're like Vera Farmiga, like, <laughs> like, I want you to look up like Lorraine Warren's outfits and then look up Vera Farmiga's in this movie. And you're like, what the fuck? I just sent you a picture of Ed Warren and Joe from Impractical Jokers. He does. He looks like Al Capone. Like, it's literally just mob Joe. I don't... It's so fucking weird. Like, the way they portray him is hilarious. And, like, girls online are, like, drooling over Patrick Wilson, like, incessantly after this movie. Patrick Wilson's a good-looking guy. But, um, again, like, back to the outfits, Patrick Wilson looks like Ed Warren. Lorraine Warren does not like Vera from Vera Farmiga literally looks like the witch that's haunting the house. <laughs> <laughs> she kind of does. And it threw me the first. I do remember seeing this in theaters and thinking like, oh, shit, this movie's from the 1800s. Because like it opens with Ed and Lorraine. And then I was like, wait, wait, wait. They didn't have colleges in the 1800s. The 1800s. Because her fucking out. Like, Caleb, look up. Okay, now I have to look up a fucking outfit and send it to you. And tell me this. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. That's just a crazy thought with everything else going on in the movie. <laughs> I know, but like, this is what I was introduced to. This is the introduction. I was like, oh. We're in the 1800s. Oh, my God. Okay, so as for the 1800s, we're in a very modern-looking apartment that's definitely dated past the 1900s, well, like, near the 2000s. (laughs) Um, And some nurses are like, yeah, so a 7-year-old apparently died in our apartment, and then the 7-year-old asked if they could inhabit our doll, and we were like, we're nurses. We help people. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I get that they were trying to do the whole nurse thing, but I have friends that are nurses, like... They're nice, but they're not that nice. They're not going to keep an evil doll because they like to help people. Yeah, like, they're not nice enough to be to just talk to a demon and be like, yeah, you can inhabit my fucking, my personal space. Can they stop making like nurses are like idiots who are like, we we welcome everybody. I guarantee you if somebody walked up to a nurse and they had like the measles, that, that nurse would be like, get the fuck away from me. <laughs> well, these nurses are very different, but Ed and Lorraine tell them that, you know, basically they're idiots. They tell them the same thing that we're thinking right now. They're like, okay, you mm-hmm. guys are kind of dumb. You should have done that. They go and do some college lecture, and then we move into the movie. Because, I mean, they kind of just set up, like, the doll is yeah. Annabelle. It's scratching at walls. It's ending up in different spots of the house, blah, 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 blah. Like, it's not too important to the story of the, you know, movie. It's uh, it's irrelevant. This is all just pretty much... They're, what they're doing here is they're just building who Ed and Lorraine they're are. They're building the universe and they're building Ed and Lorraine. Like, it makes sense in the grand scheme of things, but for the movie we're talking about right now, it doesn't necessarily matter. Like, Annabelle comes back a couple times, but it's really like yeah. a throwaway plot no point. No linkage. So the new family moves into this dingy little farm, uh, this farmhouse, that is, uh, with their kids, and it doesn't take long to get into the actual, like, hauntings and whatnot the kids start playing the hide and seek clapping game that you were talking about if you've ever seen this Mm -hmm. movie you're very familiar with this weird little game they play one of them shoves another one like into a wall and the father starts knocking around and he's like oh we have a cellar okay cool i put that the intro to this is like 
literally, if you were to write down every basic like horror movie intro trope, they they clear it immediately, which is counterintuitive again when we think about like how critically acclaimed this movie was. It's like it literally does all the basic shit. Like as soon as they start moving in, it's like happy music. The cre- the daughter finds some creepy little you know carousel toy box by the tree. The dog doesn't want to enter the house. They wake up freezing cold. The clocks all stop at three. The little girl has an imaginary friend. They're literally like basic horror movie trope, basic horror movie trope, basic horror movie trope. Yet people were like, this is fucking great. And that's all that I was going through my head. Remember how we shit on everything in Amityville Asylum or like our haunting? I mean, I think it was or one mm-hmm. of those two, probably both well, of them. Be- both. Yeah, both <laughs> of them, because they did that. They did every single trope just one after another, one after another. We're like, this makes this terrible. But then for some reason, everyone had that experience where the fine. same thing happened with this. And it's perfectly fine. Right. And it brought back my question. I have this in my notes, like in all caps, like what made The Conjuring good? Because... If you look at it structurally, it's a basic-ass movie. It's really basic. There's people hunting ghosts. Uh, They're basically just the priests of an Amityville movie. I guess this is Amityville. They're the priests of an Amityville movie. There's a fucking haunted house. There's a family that's having a bad time. There's a lot of jump scares. It's, it's Mm -hmm. It's pretty basic. Like, I will say, they do better with a lot of the stuff that they have going. Like, I mean, like, the tropes aren't as bad as Amityville Haunting or Amityville Asylum, for sure. But it just comes down to they're still just basic tropes. Yeah, it's very basic. Um, sorry to hone it. We're honing a lot in the intro, but that's really it. I mean, that's the intro of the movie. It's There's really nothing else to it. You get a couple red herrings um, and, like, foreshadowing that, like, the dog obviously doesn't want to come in. So you're like, okay, this this place is going to be fucking shitty. <laughs> like, well, yeah, that literally happens right now. Like, they go in the cellar. He's like, stay out of the cellar. It's cool. And then they're like, yeah, we got this cool new house, blah, blah, blah. But the dog won't go inside. And then they fuck <laughs> because, you know, there's nobody. Uh, ain't nobody too tired, he says. <laughs> he's like, ain't nobody too tired. I respect that. <laughs> I respect that energy. Caleb, I got to ask you this. If you were moving into a new house and Pepper, your dog... For those who don't know. If I am moving into a house and my dog refused to go inside no matter what I did, I'm leaving the house immediately. <laughs> leaving immediately. Can you make that a poll when we drop this episode? Yeah, dude, like people we did are going to say some the, shit How many ghosts do you need to see before you quit? Yeah. <laughs> okay, no, hold on. Can we pause? Can yes, we, go we can back talk about the answers so, for that. <laughs> a couple episodes ago, we covered Amityville Asylum. If you guys remember, the main character saw a couple like dead people throughout the show and like no one questioned her on it at work she's all like three and yeah so caleb posted on the gram on a poll because we talked about it like hey guys like how many people would you need to see at work like dead people before you quit your job and what was the lead caleb wasn't it like five to nine or like so it was like six i did (laughs) like one to three and then like four to like six and then like seven to like 11 or something like that and then like uh i wouldn't leave whatsoever the people that said i wouldn't leave whatsoever fine the people that said one to three fine even the people that said like four to like six all right i'll get over it you people that said you will stay there until like it reaches like seven to like 11 or whatever the fuck it right, is like and then you would leave such like a specific number that's so many that like it, that means that you fully believe in ghosts but you're just letting way too much happen until you leave and that's a problem right right 
It threw me. It threw me. Caleb said it to me. He's like, all right, I'm really fucking concerned about our viewers. Yeah, I don't get it, really. It's kind of weird. <laughs> Y'all are all suspect at this point. I don't get the logic. <laughs> we need to do this poll. If your animal wouldn't come into your house, would you move in? Obviously, Caleb and I would say, fuck no. I have a gut feeling after the last poll, a lot of you guys are going to be like, sure, I'd, I'd stay there. Yeah, they probably, and obviously it didn't go over well because the next day they walk outside, their dog's dead. Yeah, oh, immediately the dog dies. It I was takes actually, five minutes. It made me fucking sad. Immediately the dog died. I was like, shit, they came in out of the gate with the dog dying. Usually it's like a slow build when the animal dies. Nope, they're like, dog's dead 24 hours later. Fuck Roger, because when they're looking out the window, Carolyn is all like, hey, we should like get her inside. And he's like, no, she'll be fine. You know, she has a chain on her. And I'm like, this is your first day at this house. It looks like you're kind of in the middle of the wilderness. How do you even know what animals are out there? And if your dog can't, con like, what if your dog gets like like some random wild animal runs up and then your dog's on a chain now and can't do anything like that's bullshit but he's trying to fuck that's all he's trying to do he's like ain't nobody's t too tired <laughs> i mean it's true he is trying to fuck so but these again all we're still on the intro but well okay let's go let's move on we cut back to ed warren he's in his home he's being interviewed by a reporter who's basically saying hey man why do you have all these demonic things in your basement that you probably shouldn't have these here and he's like ah it's fine and then his daughter runs in and he's just like you gotta stay the fuck out of here don't touch anything yeah they're like literally do not stay this is the most dangerous fucking room in the world it's like so you have a six-year-old daughter and you have like all of the worst things in the world in your house and you're not locking the door or doing anything Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. you're just telling her hey don't go in there like she's six which we know that which we know that's code for anybody under the age of 10 like go the fuck in there exactly you got to figure out what's happening in there you got to go play with annabelle so uh, fun fact the that museum actually is officially closed oh it is so this, the son of them like took over the ownership, but it's not open to the public as of like 2019 due to regulations of it not being technically a museum. Wow, because mm -hmm. it was just in the house. Mm hmm. And it like in order to get there, it didn't have like a legit parking lot. So there were like people on the street. It was like, yeah, but he still owns it because I was like, well, who the fuck owns it? Where the artifacts go? The son is still overseeing them because they're both dead. They both died. Ed and Lorraine. Yeah, uh, Ed, he died, like, early, like, 2010s-ish, I think. Oh, it was 2006, okay. Uh, yeah. and then Lorraine, she died two years ago in 2019. 2019, yeah, yeah. I did see, like, some, uh, making of, but it was when Lorraine was still alive. I think it was the son showing off the room, and he was like, I'm gonna open this this one time. <laughs> Talking about the Am the fucking Annabelle doll. I know, could you imagine, like, the screen goes black. <laughs> No, it did. That's what they did. <laughs> oh, my fucking... I'm going to open this one time. <laughs> White noise across the screen. Anyway, back at the house, Renee's May is sleepwalking, and she's kind of just lightly banging her forehead into her sister's dresser. And everyone's just like, all right, we just got to put her to bed. She's sleepwalking. And the mom keeps waking up with giant bruises all over herself. And remember when the dad thought that he was, like, fucking her too hard? Or when she thought the dad was fucking her too hard, she was like, what'd you do? Look at this bruise you gave me. Yeah, it's like, it's like a, it looks like she got shot in Yeah, her it's like, it's indented in her skin. Like, it's not just a bruise. I don't care like, how great of sex you're having, like, something's wrong if that's happening. <laughs> dude, that was a whole chunk of flesh missing. Yeah, like, you're anemic or, like, that person's abusive. Like, yeah, this, something is not working. <laughs> And then, like Kim said, at this point, we're just going through all the weird occurrences. Doors are opening, new imaginary friend, birds flying into walls. 
uh just standard james wan stuff and it all happens like what we're probably still in like the first 10 minutes ish or something i would say like the first 20 minutes of the movie is all this yeah just trope after like up and up until we see the demon the first thing out the demon on the wardrobe that's all this is and it's it's pretty boring i do remember that feeling that in theaters i was watching this i was like oh this is going to be just as bad as i thought and then i saw that demon i was like oh shit I don't know, like that little asshole hands her mom the mirror and she goes, when the music stops, or, or the little uh, like uh, like circus fucking mm-hmm. mirror thing, like Jack in the Box, whatever the Toy fuck it box. is. Toy mm-hmm. box. Yeah. She's like, when the music stops, you'll see him in the mirror standing behind you. I was like, oh, fuck. And then she's Rory, doing it and then her kid jumps behind her and is like, boo. I was like, I'd punch you. <laughs> I would have punched said the same thing. I love how, first of all, another question. This could be another poll question. If your Can kid you lay your kid box, out if they do some fuck shit? <laughs> yeah, but also like if your kid is like, "Hey, mommy, this person's gonna appear behind you." If you look at this box, I would not be I like, "Okay, do I'm just it. gonna sit I'd be like, like no, "Oh yeah, sure, no. no." How about no? I would immediately like go outside, put that fucking box on the ground, take a fucking baseball bat, and whack it to pieces. I would destroy it immediately. I'd destroy her room. Smithereens, like absolute smithereens. And then I'd yell at my kid. I'd be like, don't ever fucking send me off like that. <laughs> <laughs> don't ever talk to me like that again. I'm not doing that shit. I'm your shit. fucking mother, okay? <laughs> so they start playing hide and clap again. You know, it's basically Marco Polo, but they have a blindfold on and they're like clapping instead of Marco Poloing. And she asked for a third clap from her daughter, uh, her being Carolyn or whatever. And we as the audience see some, and I will say pretty terrifying arms pop out of like this little Narnia line witch in the wardrobe looking closet. And it it's claps. literally the witch of the wardrobe. Yeah, and it claps. And then we hear breathing, and she's like, I hear you. I'm coming over. I hear you. And then you just hear, like, some shuffling in the other room. She's like, ha-ha, Mom, you're so stupid. I was in the other room, idiot. She legit pretty much says that. Dude, she, she roasts the hell out of her mom when she comes back. She's like, ha-ha, you're the dumbest person I've ever seen. Also, this term hide and clap didn't sit well with me. It sounded sexual. Like, you want to <laughs> hide and clap? clap? That's all I was thinking about. Clap like, you tried, oh God. trying to hide and clap? Or... Kim, you Sounds to... like a game you'd play in middle school. Kim, you trying to play <laughs> some hide and clap sometimes? It's, yeah, where, it's where you hide when, in a closet, you clap your cheeks, and I just, I, wa- I walk around looking for your ass with my metal detector. <laughs> <laughs> who, needs, who, needs, who needs seven minutes in heaven when you have hide and clap? <laughs> Maybe I'm too inappropriate for this, but that's all I was thinking about. When you're like, hide and clap. I was like, hmm... Seems a little sketchy. That just sounds like any porn video where some chick is just like sitting like under a sink with like her ass poking straight out and she's hiding. <laughs> she's just waiting for the clap. I don't know if the clap is Hide like, clap. you know what I mean? Like which clap? Uh, I'm dead. I'm fucking dead. Oh Sorry, my guys. God. I, that had to be that had to be mentioned. That's so fucking funny. Let us know if you've played hide and clap before. <laughs> okay, so you know what? This next scene, though, this is when I thought this might have been an amazing movie. Like, an amazing movie. Because everything that happens from Christine's leg getting pulled to her looking under the bed, mm-hmm. getting her POV, her seeing something in the corner of the room. That's that, creepy. Like, that shit was creepy. Dude, it gave me fuck. 
You want to know something? Chills. When she's like it's standing right behind you. Like that shit was scary. Dude, when she was look because her sister wakes up, she's staring at the corner of the room and it's just dark, like behind the door. Dark. Like just dark. Like you can't see anything there. It's just shadows. But she's just staring at it and she's like, it's fucking staring at me. I'm looking at it. And then her sister like walks up over there, like not much happens. And she's like, what? And then she's like, no, that thing's right fucking behind you. The door slams. I'm not kidding. Like a tear came out of my eye because I was like, this is actually like, dude, I had chills down my body and I was like, this is kind of crazy because I actually, honestly, legitimately have not felt that in years from a horror movie. That freaked That's me the fuck out. That's how I felt in theaters. Out. When this shit happened, I was like, oh, shit. I took back every feeling I had about yeah. that trailer. So I was like, oh. And I remember the the sense of like, you know when you're in a movie and like something good or something scary happens, everybody has the same. You can just feel the vibe yeah. change in the theater. Whole, whole tone change in the theater. And you can imagine seeing that shit in theaters. Like, that shit was terrifying. That was filmed and acted perfectly. Yeah, and it's so weird, too, because I feel like even that daughter's acting, like, it, it got so much worse after, and, like, nothing... It, it made me really yeah. sad because this was, like, the height of the movie for me, and it was pretty early still, like, probably 30-ish minutes in. Yeah, we're at, like, the half-hour mark. This is when I text you, texted you, and I was like, oh, I might be taking all this back. Like, this might be really fucking good, because it, it really sent chills down my spine. It was done really really well but then everything after that nothing ever got me to that point again in the movie so that's why i was pretty disappointed the demon on the wardrobe on top of the wardrobe, which was right after i think it was like the scene after so when i watched it this time i was like <laughs> i like laughed because i was like it was funny what? right like it looked goofy in the theater i was in there were like blood curdling screams like i remember like people shitting and i remember shitting myself but when I rewatched it, I was like, that's just kind of funny. <laughs> the way it's like crouched on top of the wardrobe and it like jumps down. <laughs> yeah, it definitely didn't hit as well the second time. Like it it looked like fucking just Hulk Hogan standing at the end of the ring, like about to pounce on someone. But like it was Reagan from The Exorcist. Pretty much. And it's legit legitimately the Narnia closet, like you said. <laughs> it's the Narnia closet. I swear to God, that's the same fucking closet, dude. Same closet. It's crazy. The doors open the same. The clothes, they push back. But anyway, I think that was, like, my high point of this movie. Like, I liked other things, but I never liked anything as much as that scene. That was probably, those were probably the creep, that, like, that's the creepiest moment of the movie. Yeah, for sure. So creepy things continue to happen, uh, but, you know, raise your hand if you died of laughter when Carolyn got pushed down the stairs. <laughs> I did, because something about Carolyn kind of bothered me. Yeah. I don't know what it was. I don't really like her. Yeah, like, I wasn't mad she got possessed. Let's just say that. They were trying to make her, like, a loving mother. Like, they didn't do anything to make her seem like a not-loving mother, but I just got, like, weird vibes from her the whole time. Yeah, something about it. It wasn't it. Didn't sit right. Yeah, no. So, yeah, I did kind of chuckle when she got shoved down the stairs. It was pretty... Like, she fell down, like, 15 fucking flights of stairs and, like, tumbled and, like, ate shit. <laughs> she was she was kind of gotten fucked up the whole movie. Like, she didn't have it easy. Well, I mean, she is the, uh, yeah. So anyway, she goes down the stairs. Uh, you know, she just has like some weird occurrences down there. Like the lights turn off. She freaks out. She sees like a ball tapping around. And then like Rory says something to her. I think he says, uh, do you want to play hide and clap? <laughs> Which yeah. now I can't stop That's thinking of I'm that saying. in the way that you said it now. Now it sounds fucking hilarious. That's what I'm saying. Rory. And we never see Rory. We always see women. So it's like, who the fuck was Rory? Why was he trying to play hide and clap? Hold on. Rory is someone. I know, but you don't ever... I only saw, like, female. No, no, no. Like, you never really see Rory, but Rory's uncredited, and hold on. 
Rory had some other. It, oh no, Rory doesn't have another credit. Rory's name is Nate Seaman. Okay, so he totally wants to hide in clap. <laughs> His name is Nate Seaman, Seaman, and he's like, "You want to hide in clap?" <laughs> His name is Nate Seaman. You're telling me this isn't intentional? I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Nate Seaman wants to hide in clap. <laughs> Say that out loud and tell me that this is not intentional. <laughs> oh, That's all I'm fuck. saying. Anyway, <laughs> did we mention that the father left for Florida for a week? Wait, what? Oh, he did leave, but did he go to Florida? Is that where he Yeah, because he gets a call and he's like, He's like, oh, that's he's like, that's that's half of what my rate usually is. And they're like, well, you want it or not? And he's like, oh, all right. And then Carolyn's like, where are you going? He's like, I got to go to Florida for a week. I totally miss Florida. I knew he was leaving for work, but I miss Florida. But yeah. Yeah, he just dips. It doesn't seem like he's gone for a week because like two things happen. And then the next scene, like he's, he's back. back. And I'm like, that was a week. What happened in that week that he was gone? Yeah. <laughs> um. Because everything in this happens so fast that I feel like all the haunting and shit happened over the course of, like, a day or two. But if he left for a week, like, what was happening now? Everything was, like, on such an upward trajectory the whole time we saw it. So I'm like, did it slow down during that week? Uh, well, hide and clap. Yeah, well. They, got, they were doing that while he was gone. They were just playing hide and clap the whole time. Mm-hmm. Whole time. Yeah, that's a good point. It definitely f- felt like this movie was over the course of, like, three days max. <laughs> yeah, the timeline was a little off when it comes to that whole thing. But, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, that's when the whole uh, closet pounce thing happens. After that, Ed and Lorraine College presentation is happening again. Um, it's the only thing that makes the movie The Nun slightly interesting because Ed's intro or Ed intros speaking about this French-Canadian man whose name was Maurice. And he's like, oh, yeah, he was a normal guy, but he spoke the best backward Latin possible when he was possessed. And then in The Nun, at the very end they put that presentation into like literally the very, very end of the movie. And there's this character you follow the whole time. His name is Frenchie. His nickname was Frenchie. And they're like, Oh yeah, this was that guy. So that's how they like tie the nun into the conjuring. I didn't even catch that. That's the only way they tie the nun into the conjuring, but it's kind of fuck. Cause I feel like the timelines were off too. Cause they're like, Oh yeah, he was married and he tried to kill his wife, blah, blah. Maybe I'm not remembering the end of the nun. Right. But I remember seeing that three times and I don't think it was even implied that he went and married her or anything. I feel like it was like a week after that he got possessed. Hmm. That was the vibe I got from the movie. And in this, it seemed like he was married and whatnot. But if that's what yeah. was happening in the nun, he was just like, he was single living in a fucking house on his own. And his love interest was Vera Farmiga's daughter, who was like the main nun chick. So I'm like, that doesn't, Interesting. that doesn't track. Yeah. I thought that made the nun cool, but then when I think about the timeline, I'm like, that makes it even stupider. Nun was so fucking bad. Yeah, but we won't keep going on the nun. Whatever. Um, After the presentation is over, Carolyn meets up with Ed and Lorraine through some mutual friend, which I don't know why she has like some young ass college friend, but I guess she does. Oh, they just moved to this town too. <laughs> Whatever. Well connected. <laughs> they head to the house, and the family explains uh, the house always being cold. The furnaces all right though. Uh, you know, rotting meat smells, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And while investigating, the whole little you know circus toy box and the mirror kind of thing happens to Lorraine. And then Ed goes outside. He finds her by a tree, and he's like, "What's wrong, doll?" And she's like, "Uh, uh, uh," and starts like pointing behind him. And you see like feet. Someone's hanging from the big old tree. I did actually think that the this part was kind of cool. Not the hanging scene, but like the whole 
scenario of like the Warrens going through the house. I agree. I thought Vera Farmiga did a really good job. Like she was creepy when she was like, I've seen it three times. I saw it once when I walked in. I saw it twice. I saw it. Th- I was like, I did kind of like that playback they did. But I agree, the the witch hanging from the tree. They do a recap of her coming in, and she's like, yeah, this demon is attached to you guys. I saw it on her. I saw it on the kids. I saw it following you around. And it was pretty cool. Like, that was all done very well. But then once she sees the kid, the, the person hanging, I was like, that's stupid. Yeah. it was. I didn't hate it. I was just kind of like, it just was like really bad CGI and like. It probably would have looked cooler if it was like a practical effect, like they like made like some dummy or something and had it hanging. But the fact that it was CGI, it looked really just kind of lame and thrown in there. Yeah, I think that's why it didn't hit for me as scary as it could have been. If it would have, if they would have done some practical, like that would have been really creepy and morbid. Yeah, but it's just I don't know. Anyway, that's when they go inside. They tell them about the demon latching, and then they're like, "We got to go back to our house." First off, uh, Ed tells Lorraine, "They're like, oh, the reason why you're haunted is because there's some." Like hanging from the tree, but we'll we'll circle back tomorrow. We'll we'll get back to this. We'll get back to this. And they find so much. They're like, this person died. This person killed themselves. This kid drowned. This person hung herself. Uh, like they're like, this person yeah. killed herself here. This person killed herself there. Kid got lost in the woods. And I'm like, oh, that's a lot of things that happened at that house. They're like, no big deal though. And I meant to look that up. I meant to check to see if all of that was true. So loosely, so essentially, what happened is the Bachiba. Uh, lady was a real witch and she was she was a satanist back in the day and she was responsible for a couple local kids that went missing one specifically that drowned and then one person that possibly hung themselves as a result of like their kid drowning so it was like loosely essentially based upon like essentially her causing a bunch of kids to fucking die so it might not have been like 9 11 i didn't mean to say 9 11 9 or 11 things happened at that house right but at least like two or three things happened there yeah okay yes yeah, i don't think it's an exact one-to-one match but yeah it followed it pretty much the same as if you were to read online and i didn't look up any photos of that Bathsheba lately lady but i'm sure she was creepy as fuck yeah i watched some recap stories of like the whole tale of itself i just didn't look into those specifics but i did find um Roger Perrin's Twitter he has like 15 followers and he has like 12 posts and some of them are just like him and his family he's like this is us then this is us now it's just like dad posts on like Twitter and then it looked like he stopped he, he did it for like maybe like a year and put like 12 posts out and then he gave up on Twitter <laughs> but how old is he now <laughs> I don't know he has to be like 80 something he looked pretty old that's hilarious or maybe even like 70 something he might have been a little younger that's hilarious. Yeah, but he has a Twitter. It only has like 15 followers, but it's there. Good for him. Good for him. Uh, and apparently Carolyn and Roger are still married, too. Damn, good for them. Why do I think these people were dead? I guess, yeah, they're just old. Yeah, they're just old. And one of the kids, um, she was actually, I guess, I found an interview where she was talking to Lorraine Warren, and she was like, I want to own that house. It keeps calling to me, this, that, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, uh, if you go back to that house, you're dead. <laughs> Yeah, like what? She's quoted, like Lorraine is quoted saying that. She's like, if you go back, you're dead. (laughs) I don't know about you, but when you look at Lorraine Warren, she looks like somebody that sees some shit. Like, I believe all those stories solely because of her. Like, she looks like she is just seeing, like one of her eyebrows is like kind of raised. Like, she looks like she was seeing some shit back in the day. So I believe her. If I believe anyone, it's definitely Lorraine Warren. (laughs) Lorraine, if I believe anyone in this world, it is her. (laughs) Yeah, and apparently she was trying to get the house, too. Um, I think it was the oldest one. I think her name's April. I think that was the oldest one, maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, April. 
Oh, no, April was the youngest. Oh, okay, okay. I can't remember which one, um, but the oldest one, because I think she was like 21 or something when they moved out or somewhere around there. Yeah, she was trying to buy the house, and then it sold for like $1.5 I don't know if this was recently. This might, I think it might have said she was 30 at the time, unless I'm just remembering the facts wrong. So it might have been like not that long after, but uh, yeah. Apparently it was a 14-bedroom house. Like, oh. it was a big-ass fucking farmhouse. That did not look that big in this movie. Yeah, I don't think this movie... I mean, it looked big in this movie. And maybe it's not bedroom, but 14 rooms. Like, that's a that's lot of fucking huge. rooms, regardless. That's giant. So, yeah, it was a big-ass farmhouse. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. crazy. When I looked up the photos of the house, it was, like, really long. Like, it was, like, huh. two stories, but it's like, a ranch. Oh, okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. That definitely... Mm-hmm. Did we even get, like, an outside shot of the house, except for, like, just the front at any point? No, just the front. Okay, yeah, probably just the front. Okay. Well, they head back to the house strapped with every bit of ghost equipment in the world, and they strap bells to doors, put microphones in every corner, set up cameras all over, like, the inside and outside of the house, and then the door that leads to the cellar starts to move, so Ed and Lorraine head down into the room, and this was when I thought that this scene had to be the inspiration for the game Phasmophobia. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. No. (laughs) I'm not a gamer. It's like a ghost hunting game. It got kind of big, like, last year or, like, this year or somewhere around there. It's basically like you just go into haunting houses, you try to find a ghost, and you try to, like, lure it out by, like, you know, pissing it off or, like, doing this or that or whatever. And I feel like that's exactly what they were doing down there. Like, even how it looked, I was like, it looks just like the game. Interesting. It might have been to look it up. I wouldn't be surprised if it was. Um, But at one point, Lorraine is hanging up some clothes to dry, and a sheet makes the shape of a person. Well, I guess I should say nothing really happened in the cellar. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. He just kind of went out there, and he was like, well, sometimes it doesn't work. (laughs) <laughs> right but then yeah things things pop off a little bit later but yeah they find nothing on the first little go around yeah but then we see that curtain it like makes the shape of a person while lorraine's outside and then it like flies off into the distance it hits carolyn's window and then when it moves away we see carolyn and she kind of walks away just looking creepy and then uh this is when lorraine is like okay yeah demon stuff is happening Mm-hmm. and then she starts to sense it with carolyn yeah, because she runs over and, like, she's trying to get in the room and she doesn't see what happens inside, but we see that uh, Reagan is on top of her puking blood in her mouth and that means she's possessed now. Legit, this is such a James Wan staple also, like, demon on top of you, like, throwing up on your Just face. throwing up on you. Uh, like, why does he always do that? It happens way more often than it should. No idea. Yeah, so this was, this is when she officially became possessed. And then she moves into the bathroom and starts trying to, puke out that stuff and that's when um lorraine's banging on the door and she's like let me in let me in then she just opens up the door and carolyn's like i'm fine yeah she's like i'm fine i hear roger and the kids okay bye see you later just walks by and lorraine's like oh okay that's fine another thing i think they did pretty well for the suspense building aspect of this was adding in mr john brotherton because he was pretty skeptical of like anything ghost going on but then when it was actually happening it's like okay that worked pretty well yeah, he was funny. I I thought he was actually pretty funny. He looks like he would be in a Fast and Furious movie. Totally. totally. He looks like he'd be like the very star. Very misplaced for this movie. He ends up seeing some chick who screams, look what they did to me in his face, or look what she did to me, or something like that. She's like slit wrists. Yeah, exactly. And then after that, another small ghost chick starts like walking through the hall, and then a ghost starts following Cindy into her room, and they're like, what's happening? Roger's just like, what's going on? And uh, Patrick Wilson just basically says, hey, uh, that ghost is following her. Yeah, this is when it kind of becomes, like, a little redundant with, like, it's just a bunch of, like, ghost appearance, like, supernatural appearances throughout the house leading up to the exorcism. Like, that's all that happens, really, between the beginning and now. 
Yeah, this is the point where I was like, I've already seen everything you can show me, and you're not showing me anything new anymore. Yeah, we now know that the mom is possessed, and it's only just going to get progressively worse and worse and worse. Yeah, it kind of t- it kind of drags. Yeah, and this movie this movie wasn't that long. Like it was right at the time it should be. Like it was like just over an hour and a half. It was an hour fifty two. I would say it's not just over an hour and a half. I would say it's just shy of two hours. <laughs> I thought for some reason it was shorter. It's kind of long. I feel like if it was a little shorter, it'd benefit. Right. Huh. Okay. Wow. Well, they get inside. They can't find Cindy, um, which, by the way, is uh, Renee's May. Um, <laughs> and Ed gets his little handy UV light, and he finds handprints and footprints that lead him into this hole behind the Lion Witch in the wardrobe. They go inside. They find her, drag her out. Also... Lorraine should have died terribly when she fell through those 10 fucking flights of, like, <gasps> house, right? Ten flights of stairs. Also, like, okay, I know they made this house big, but, like, yeah, Lorraine pretty much, like, falls through the floorboards of the inner workings of the house. And she falls through, Caleb's not exaggerating, like, 10 flights. Like, she would be, it's like some Matrix shit. Yeah. You know what the Matrix, when they're in the fucking, <laughs> the bathroom, like, in the walls, they fall through all that shit? I thought she was falling through a fucking elevator shaft. She legit did. And then she just, like, hits the ground. She's like, oh. Yeah, she just gets up and she's fine. I'm like, you're dead. You died right First of all, you know how many splinters you'd have in your, like, body in you? Dude, she has, like, two scratches on herself. Yeah, asbestos in your lungs. Like, she fucking, like, I was also like, how deep is this fucking house? Dude, that's what I'm saying. Like, I thought it was, like, a two-story house. And then I'm like, you went through ten stories at least. It was legit the Matrix when they're falling through the tunnel in the wall. Yeah, I don't get how she didn't die, but she just gets up. She's at the bottom of the house, and things keep popping up at her. A different chick than the one that popped up in front of uh, Brotherton pops up, and she goes, she made me do it. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, nevertheless, it's still a person saying the same words. Again, redundant. Um, And then she uh, just kind of runs out of the basement. She goes, she possesses the mother to kill the child. That's what she does. That's why she has bruises. She's feeding off of her, which, again, I'm making that sound stupid. That actually was acted out well also. Yeah, it it was acted out. Vera did a good job. But, yeah, she's like, she's feeding. And this is the point where everybody, even though the audience is aware, everyone in the house realizes the mom is officially possessed. And they're still kind of just hanging out with her like she's not. I know, like, the the exorcism doesn't happen for, like, at least another, like, five scenes. Well, because they have this whole thing where they're like, we have to talk to the priest and this, that, blah, blah. And they even have this scene where they go to, like, one of the religious dudes. He's like, I don't know if we can help them. The kids aren't baptized and they're not, like, religious. And I was like, wait, well, does this matter when they're getting murdered? Thing. That's a legit thing. We, and I wanted James actually here for it. I wanted James actually here for it to give his perspective because, like, that's legit. Like, if you're not baptized, it's like, well... Oh, what are we going to do about it? As if there isn't a demon. There's still a demon. You're the one who does the exorcisms, asshole. Yeah, that would be a good James POV question. It really would. We'll have to ask him again later. But pretty much the church denies to do the exorcism. And the and, and Lorraine are like, we're not that we're not as qualified. Like it's they're like, we can do it, but it's safer and better to do it in the church. There's less risk of it going awry. It just made me really mad how the priest just looks at them and he goes, damn, that's crazy. Sucks, though. Yeah. <laughs> like, you He's guys- like, I'm pretty busy tonight. <laughs> Oh, and we should also say that at one point, uh, before they leave the house, Lorraine walks into the backyard and she sees her daughter, like, floating in the water. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she says that's, like, a warning. And then right after they talk to the priest, they get back to the house, and it seems that uh, she was right about the warning. Because they get back, and their daughter, Judy, is locked in the, the museum room with all, like, the fucking ghost demon shit and all that. 
and they're trying to break in. Well, the elderly Nana is trying to break in, and they're like, bitch, you got to move out of the way. You have no strength. We'll get this door. Poor Nana. Poor Nana. She was, like, moving all slow, trying to get the door open, just, like, slowly, lightly banging on it. Dude, and when they told her to get out of the way, she's, like, still struggling and moving back and forth. She's like, wait, what do I... Uh? <laughs> yeah, we're like, Nana, she's about to fucking die. But, yeah, it was a warning because the girl almost got fucking whacked with a rocking chair because there was the demon lady rocking Annabelle in it. Yeah, Ed gets in, like, right as the chair is getting chucked at her forehead and, like, she barely evades getting blown up. Another reason why you probably shouldn't have, like, demon dolls in your basement, but that's fine. Yeah, probably. And then she was like, there was someone there. They were holding Annabelle. And he runs into the other room and he's like, she's locked away. And Lorraine's like... (laughs) (laughs) She's locked away. Literally, that's the resolution. Like, just lock her up. And I guess this is when stuff really starts to go off because Roger gets back to the hotel and I guess he left... His all of his kids at the hotel with his wife, with who, he knows, who he knows is possessed. He knows she's possessed, and he left her there alone with all five of his kids. I was thinking this as well. Like the first time I watched this, I don't know why I didn't catch that. And it's so fucking stupid too, because the it's not like he doesn't know that she's trying to kill the kids. The first thing that Lorraine said is, "Get out of here, blah blah blah. Her. We'll do this later because she's trying to kill your kids." I'm like, wait, what? I would even be afraid as a husband, like, be alone, be be with my wife, let alone, like, leave her with my kids. Yeah, there's no fucking way. Like, I I wouldn't want to be around her, but if I know that her goal is to kill my kids, definitely wouldn't leave her around my kids. Good point. Yeah, when I saw this in theaters, that wasn't even a thought, and then I totally had the same, same thought when I was watching this. I was like, so why did he go again? I don't even know where he went. They didn't even say where he went. Like, did he just go to the gas station to get some, like, get some snacks? He went to go play hide and clap. That's so fucking stupid, dude. And then he gets back, and his daughters are like, Hey, mom drove off with two of our sisters. Dad, she smells like rotting meat. <laughs> and he's like, Oh, yeah, she is possessed. All right, get in the car, girls. <laughs> they keep using this rotting meat thing as like, every time they say that, they're like, That's the one. Like, everything else they say does not matter, but the second they say rotting meat, everyone has like full attention on the demon shit. Yeah, it's supposed to sense what? Just like the. I forget the exact term that they explained. It's the like, it's a, yeah. it's a smell of demons. demons. Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. So Roger immediately calls Ed and Lorraine reiterates and says, possess the mother to kill the daughter. And Ed's like, oh my God, meet us back at the house. <laughs> like they didn't know this was going to happen. And then Lorraine keeps doing this like standard trope the whole time where, well, I guess Ed and Lorraine where he's like, I can't take you with. And she's like, I got to go with. We do this together. <laughs> it happens five times they can't i love how like ride or die they are though like you can't just have ed warren or just lorraine warren like they're going together and i guess we didn't even mention too but the uh, whole big plot of this is that ed the reason why he has this thing is that apparently like i think a week or two before this or like a month before this they had some encounter where lorraine went through some really fucked up shit and he was like she locked herself in a room for eight days i still don't know what happened she wouldn't tell me blah blah i think that was with frenchie too the whole french canadian guy that comes back later in the nun it was the guy who's bleeding from his eyes so i guess that's a whole nother thing to this yeah <laughs> she was scarred so we get there to the house that is and mom has a pair of scissors ready to go in her daughter's neck i also don't get the timeline of this of how she was definitely at that house way before them. How did she not just kill them? If her just plan, if her plan was just to grab a pair of scissors and put it in her neck, how did she not accomplish that before everyone else found out and got back to the house? Or why didn't she just like drive the car off the road? Like she could have killed them way sooner. And I think when Ed and the dad got there, like two people were already holding her down. Where did they come from? This was a little bit of a plot hole. Like they didn't really 
Yeah, there was a lot of holes around this time. Like, they're really, like, I feel like James Wan was thinking really fast. Like, as, he was thinking as fast as he makes his demons go. And he just didn't know, like, how to... Somebody run here. Somebody <laughs> turn there. Somebody go there. <laughs> Do you imagine him on set? Oh, my God. He's cut, go, cut, go, cut, spaz. go. Scene, action, go. And I also looked at him. He's, like, 5'6". He's tiny. He's tiny. Yeah. Could you imagine him holding, like, the little uh, the clappers? Yeah. The, like, the little movie, like, film clappers? <laughs> I've actually seen... You've seen the infamous photo of him on Saw, like, laying on the ground next to Jigsaw, like... Oh, yeah. And cut. Yeah, he looks like a fucking psychopath in that scene. He's probably just clapping it up and down over and over again. That's why he had the hide and clap in this. Oh, totally. Totally, yeah. That's actually James Wan's game. Yeah, he's like, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. No, James Wan is just like on the sets of movies. He's just hiding behind each like scene and he's just clapping and putting blindfolds on people from behind them. (laughs) That would be so alarming. Yeah, she's trying to stab them and then they stop her. She, they try to take her outside. She has bruises all o- like appearing all over her real fast, like CGI bruises. Her face starts to like burn off, like Turn her skin's Reagan, melting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's fully in the demon. She kind of looks like she's turning into a zombie, honestly. Totally, totally, totally. Yeah, she has like her mouth. the the um The makeup was good, I will say. Like she looks like shit. Oh yeah, once she's actually sitting in there and like it's just her sin- like the CGI and her face melting and the bruises. I didn't like that too much. But yeah, when she's sitting there and they strap her to the chair, she looked pretty good. Yeah, like she looked gross. Yeah, she literally looked gross. Like she looked like, ooh, I would not want to. She looked like a staph infection was fully like. Oh my God, she looked like the fucking chick from uh, Contracted. That's what she yes, looked like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh huh. That's yeah. exactly what she looked like. She looked pretty fucking bad. So I did think they did a good job there, like transforming her into the, the demon lady. Yeah, so I guess we'll go into that. She's in the basement. She's turning into a demon lady right now. She takes a bite out of Brotherton's face, and then they wrap her up with a towel and just, like, tie her to a chair. And they're kind of just all staring at her for a while, like, what the fuck do we do? Uh, Do we call Father Gordon? What do we do? And Lorraine's like, yeah, she's not going to make it that long. She's going to either murder all of us or murder herself or something. Mm -hmm. So Ed is like, all right, I'm going to do the exorcism. And then Roger butts in. He's like, I thought you said we need a priest. You're not a priest. And he's like, buddy, what other fucking option do we have? <laughs> and really, let's put this in, into perspective. What the fuck have you been doing this whole time, Roger? You have been, like, okay with everything happening. You've just been like, all right, yeah, cool, and do And flirting with the daughter. Right, flirting with the daughter. Like, go fuck off. <laughs> Wait, Roger's flirting with the daughter? Roger's the dad. Roger's the... Oh, I was thinking <laughs> the Asian guy. I was thinking the Asian no. guy. No. <laughs> JK. He is flirting with the daughter the whole time, yeah. That's fair. Sorry, the dad is not flirting with his daughter. Yeah, I was like, wait, is there incest that I missed in this? That's crazy. (laughs) One trope they left out. They forgot the incest. For anyone that doesn't know, that's a standard Amityville trope. It is, unfortunately. (sighs) It's probably worth noting that April has been gone for the past five minutes and somehow ended up under floorboards? Under the floorboards, like... Like four, like under four floorboards. Like no one can explain. <laughs> no one can explain that. You can't get those up. They had to break them to get into them. And somehow the demon that's running the show didn't know that because when he yells out, he's like, "I found her. She's under the floorboards." Yeah, Demi- she like she takes jumps off. up and start, like like she didn't already know. And I'm like, "Wait, how did you not know that? Wouldn't you had to have been the one that put her there?" No idea how she got on the floorboards. I didn't even put much thought into that. You're right. That is a big. 
pit hole. Honestly, I'm starting to like this movie less the more that we're talking about it. Because these are things that I wrote down that I was like, that's annoying, but I kind of moved on from. But now that I'm thinking about all of it, yeah. it's kind of pissing me off. Yeah, like, it, it, I will say when you watch it, you don't really notice it. But, like, no. talking about well, it out loud, Kim, it makes no it sense. it goes by so fucking fast. He's just running through everything. You don't have enough time that's to true. think about it. That's true. It is fast. But, yeah, when you write it down, it's like, that actually doesn't make any sense. It how makes she was... no sense at all. I did have a split thought where I was like, how did she get under the floorboards of the house? But then I was just like, whatever. <laughs> Maybe the mom put her there. But you're right. Like when he said that, when he yelled, I found her. She's under the kitchen, like floorboards. Like the mom demon like takes off and starts like skirting through all the like crawl spaces of the house to get there so she can stab her. The more I'm thinking about that, the more it's annoying. <laughs> also, like if the guy, the Asian guy, I don't remember his name. If he was so easily able to like just punch through a hole in the floor and look at her, why did he just keep punching and pull her out? Like, he was just like, oh, I see her, and, like, stared at her. I'm like... Well, not only... He wasn't even just punching, too. He had a crowbar. And then he gave up after so long. I feel like he could have done more. That's true, because he crowbarred enough to see her, and then he just gave up. And as the mom, like, almost killed her, he was just like, oh, come back. And then Lorraine comes up and just starts rubbing on her head. (laughs) Rubbing on her head, massaging her head. Yeah, when she's under there... And they're trying to, like, I don't know, get her out of it. They're trying to, like, sympathize with the Carolyn part of the demon. They're like, let her go. But, you know, unfortunate for him, Devin Carolyn says, she's already gone. Now you're all, oh, wait, no, no, no. I mixed that up. That's when she's still inside. Okay, I don't care about that part. That really doesn't matter. I want to get to the uh, floorboard part. Well, she's under there, and they start calling back to her. They're like, I sent you back to hell. Hey, Bethesda, or whatever the fuck her name is. But Sheba! <laughs> and then Lorraine starts rubbing her forehead, and then, like, they show us a fucking family comedy slow fat flashback. Like, it looked like a fucking, like, sitcom still shot. Because at the beginning, and it still doesn't make it good, but at the beginning, Vera Farmiga asks the mom, like, oh, how they've been? And she's like, we recently went on a vacation, like, out to the ocean, and it was so great. And she's like, think back to that day! And it was like the mom... Thinking back to, like, them running on the beach together. Oh, I thought she was just telling her to think back to, like, a general good day or something. Well, yeah, she was, but it was something that was referenced early in the movie. That's fucking stupid. Yeah. That was really stupid. Uh, It just, it seemed very unrealistic that that's what would make the demon be like, oh. Yeah, it's the (laughs) stupidest fucking thing ever. Like, it was really, I hated this. Like, I hated the way this movie ended. Yeah. It was all being built up for so long. You're like, oh, this bitch is going to go crazy. Possession, this, that, blah, blah. In the end, they're like, come back, Carolyn. You had a good vacation once. And she, Let me rub your daughter's forehead while I tell you about this. They're like. Literally like, threw a hole in the floor. She, she like, had the scissors head. ready to go into her neck. And she just stopped and went, oh, like and stopped in her tracks. she beat them all there. Like she could have easily just stabbed the fuck out of the little girl. Way before they even had time to rub the daughter's forehead. She was moving. She was moving and grooving in that bitch. She was moving like fucking uh, the chicken malignant. Trini Busan. Yeah, yeah. She was moving quick. You know what? Yeah, that's really fucking stupid. I'm definitely putting my rating down from what I initially rated it. Like since I wonder talking what about I rated this. this. I think I probably rated it high because it's been a while since I even... Well, do a new rating now because I realize like, I haven't seen this since 2013. So I did like a brand new rating for this. Anyway, let's finish this off. It gets all happy and stuff. And then Lorraine seemed to be really happy about the little blonde girl with curly hair giving her the necklace she lost. I also thought that was going to be like a red herring, though, because didn't she like lose that necklace like while she was demoning down there? Yeah, some the demon straight up like yanked it back and was like, bye, bitch. Yeah, so how did she get it? The little girl. Yeah, how'd the little girl get it? Uh, maybe, may- 
it's probably another unexplained thing. Like, how did she get under the floorboards? Maybe when she was down she there. Found she, she found it down there? The okay, floor. what the fuck? Well, she looked like she was just in one spot down there. She wasn't even moving. How do you even get there? If Vera, if Vera Farmiga was able to get there earlier to get her necklace ripped off, how would they not be able to get back there when she's in there? I agree. I mean, no sense is made here. What the fuck? Yeah, there's a lot of plot holes with the ending of this. Like, a lot. There are. I think, to your point, you don't even realize it when you're watching because it's moving so quick. Yeah, it's just they kind of just, like, do it, shrug past it, move on, and you're like, wait a second, was that... Can you do that? Yeah, when you think about it and you put it in writing, you're like, hmm. Yeah. I don't know about this. It's starting to give me standard James yeah, Wan vibe again. Yeah, it's starting to kind of piss me off. <laughs> yeah, it's making me kind of angry. <laughs> it's starting to sound pretty fucked up now that we think about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about this movie. I was very more hopeful before we started talking about this. Oh, yeah, yeah. At the end, Lorraine tells Ed that the Vatican just approved the exorcism. He's like, huh, real funny timing. And then she, mm-hmm. well, what we talked about earlier, she's like, okay, let's go check out Amityville and then it like zooms in Mm -hmm. on the little like toy box mirror and then no Rory and then it ends Mm -hmm. oh and then it shows us pictures of like show Rory yeah it does show us pictures of like the real Perrin family and then the real Warrens and then uh yeah that's pretty much the end there's no kills in this I guess the dog the yeah you're right the dog did die wow that makes me even more upset i hate when only a dog dies in a movie that's just rude yeah like you didn't even kill any humans just the dog that's kind of rude yeah i didn't even think about that there are no kills Uh uh-uh damn no kills no nudity is this really even a horror movie i don't know yeah now that i'm really dwelling on this i don't know how i'm feeling about this i'm kind of liking it a lot terrible but like it pisses me off yeah i just like it a lot less i guess it's not terrible but i also didn't rate this super high okay so you know what i need to go see what my rating is let's do okay well you figure that out so there's other sequels other things another controversy. i feel like i need to know a little more about this to really talk about it and rate it better but actually now talking about it i kind of feel like i don't need the rest of the controversy, and i kind of want to rate this as its own standalone thing um, i gave it oh my god would you give it a five i give it four you give it a four okay yeah i'm gonna give it three it it deserves three nothing more and i don't think anything less um and you could even argue 2.5 if you really wanted to yeah no i'm going down to 2.5 i initially rated this three but after talking about it and all the things that pissed me off i'm definitely going down to a two and a half yeah, I'm going to keep it at three, but I'm going to think about it tonight, and it may likely go down to 2.5 tomorrow morning. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I was When I was watching it, I was like, for a second, I was like, maybe this will be four and a half. Maybe it'll be four. And then I was like, oh, it's down to three and a half. Oh, it's down to three. After talking about it. It has potential. It's, it's like, it's just a neutral movie for me now. Like, I like it. Yeah. But that's, yeah, I don't I'm know. I'm not going to go out of my way to watch it again. No, I don't. Like, now that I'm aware of what it is, I remember it well. I don't I don't think I like The Conjuring that much. Like, I like it, but not that much. It's definitely overhyped for what it, what it was. Yes. For it's, sure. It's good, but it's definitely overhyped. It's not, it's not that yeah. good. It's, it's not. I remember going, like, good. home and thinking that was the scariest shit I'd seen in years. Yeah. Years. Which is so funny now. So there's a couple letterbox reviews I want to read. The first one is three and a half stars from Kirsten, and it reads, "This movie is about sideburns." Okay. You don't you don't get that? I don't vibe? remember sideburns. No. On Ed Warren, his sideburns were fucking bussin'. Oh, Ed Warren's sideburns were bussin'. <laughs> his sideburns were longer than his face. The sideburns were, but like it's the 70s. Like, 
The second review is four and a half stars from Camilla, and it says, Ed Warren, come exercise this pussy. <laughs> Listen, if that's what she's rating it on, she's right. She's right. If she's going to rate it on some hide and clap shit, she's right. It deserves 4.5. Solely for Ed Not Warren. some hide and clap shit. Ed Warren, I'm going to hide. You come clap this pussy. <laughs> that, is, that, is a, that is a savage fucking letterbox review. I love that. Oh, it's fucking funny. <laughs> That's like some Twitter shit. It's pretty good, dude. Okay, Roger Eber actually reviewed this. Okay, let's hear. He gave it a one star. Oh. But oh. here's the thing. After I read his review, I almost wanted to bring mine a little lower because... Read it, read it, read it. I'm not reading the whole thing because obviously it's a little long, but the first two paragraphs yeah. really summarize it very well. From Saw to Insidious, indie horror filmmaker James Wan's films have always been confrontational in their uh, guideless grand. In their, uh, uh, oh no, gillless? What's gillless? Without gillless? Looks like, or it's gile? Okay, whatever. Maybe it's gileless. I don't know. I don't know that word. Robert Ebert sometimes uses words. I don't know. And we're just going to be okay with that. Mm -hmm. Um, Grandstanding. So it's not surprising that watching The Conjuring is like getting a tour of a haunted house attraction from someone that pushes and pulls you through every room. There's nothing really scary about Juan's latest because there's nothing particularly mysterious or inviting about its proceedings. The film's relentlessly lame expiratory... What the fuck did I just say right now? Expiratory. (laughs) Expository. Jesus, fuck. That's what they're saying. The film's relentlessly lame expository dialogue and tedious parade of jump scares are overwhelming in the worst way possible. Only one in five scares hit... Because or hit home because while Juan sometimes proves that he can reel viewers in, he usually prefers to strong arm his audience into submission. That last sign is facts. That's like that's on facts. fucking point, right? That is like on point. The last line, I think the I think the I think the first chunk was a little harsh, but like it was, the last line, that last line is like that last line is facts. Like that is everything that I was discussing in the video with James Wan. He forces you to like, this is my fucking demon. This is my fucking demon. <laughs> like, he wants you to know and be aware of that. And he does have moments where it's fucking scary. But then he has moments where it's like, why is this demon pistol whipping me? But okay. <laughs> I think the review might have been like a little bit harsh. But at the same time, I fully get everything he's saying. Like, I don't know. Even if he said like one and a half, I would have been like, okay, that makes a little more sense. I think one is a little bit low. But honestly, after like, even after reading that and after rereading it after our conversation right now, because I was already thinking about going to two and a half after that, because I was like, oh, shit, like you said that very well. I do feel like James Wan just stuffed this movie down my throat and forced me to like it in a weird way. Um, But yeah, after talking about it and reading that, I'm almost like, shit, should I go two? <laughs> Damn. Roger's never been more. Roger's never said some realer shit. Yeah, like I, sometimes he says some real, real smart stuff. <laughs> I mean, that's why he's why he was the goat. Wow, crazy. I mean, he couldn't have said. I couldn't have said it better. Yeah, no, I don't think anybody could have. Um. So, Kim, I'm bringing back soup ratings in kind of a way. Ooh, I like this. In a different way, though. It's more of a thumbs up, thumbs down thing. So, okay. Thumbs up for a ramen. Thumbs down, cream of mushroom. What kind of bowl is this? I don't think it's either. I mean, it definitely leans more towards. Fuck, I don't think it, those are two extremes. Like ramen's phenomenal, and cream of mushroom is like I don't hate cream of mushroom actually, but I wouldn't eat it. I feel like it's like no, in no, no, between. no, no. You're not. I thought you were basing it off the mood. Look, 
you can't argue ramen being the best and cream of mushroom being the worst. Those are that's for me to say and for you to adhere to. I don't understand this question. I'm just going to say cream of mushroom. Ramen is a thumbs up. You're giving the movie a thumbs up. Cream of mushroom, you're giving the movie a thumbs down. You like it or you don't like it. Can I can I give it a half? You no, it, but you we, there's a, no you, you can like give it, it a neutral. You, you can give it a I'm going to give a neutral, but then what's the neutral? Um That's what's that's that's where I'm struggling. What's the neutral soup? Probably chicken noodle. Chicken noodle? I'll give it a chicken noodle. Okay. Nothing more, nothing less. I think I'd give that I think I'd give it that too. I, I actually I don't know. I almost want to give it a bowl of ramen, like give it a thumbs up, but at the same time it's pissed. Because I feel like, I don't know, the watch experience isn't that bad. Yeah. I'm just thinking ramen is like, I love ramen. So I'm like, ramen's fucking Yeah, like. ramen is amazing. Um, <laughs> John Carpenter. <laughs> fuck. But yeah, it, it deserves its thumbs ups in parts. Yeah. But for yeah. the most part, it's very, it's very, yeah. Yeah, you know what? I'm fine solid. with that. I'm neutral on it. It's like a sideways. My thumb is going to the left or the right side. It's just. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on what part of the movie, it's going up and down. The beginning of the movie, the first hour is like a thumbs up. It's pretty fucking good. Yeah. Yeah. It falls off. Okay. Would you recommend this, Kim? Yes. Only because, only if it's your, not only, but mainly if it's people's first time. Because yeah. I do think it's something that you should see um, if you haven't. Because I think there are good things about it. And I think it does piece together a lot of horror. Like, I can't imagine considering yourself a horror head and not seen The Conjuring. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, and I don't think you would understand the James Wan universe without really ha- understanding The Conjuring. So, I would say yes. Rewatch. You could do with it, you could do with it or you do without it. Yeah. If you've already seen it, I don't recommend watching it again. But if you've never seen it, I pretty much recommend watching all of James Wan's movies because I do feel like even though he's very debated, he is a pretty important part of horror at this point. Yeah, he is. So, he is. yeah, I mean, I'd recommend it under that stance or under that pretense. Um, Okay, fuck, Mary kill. We have Demon Carolyn, wow, we're doing The it. Hanging Witch, and we have me. Oh, this is shitty. I'm going to really fucking die. I guess I have to kill the demon, the hanging witch, because she's already fucking dead. So I can't even fuck her. Um, so I'm going to fuck, I guess, the demon and marry you. It's an awful decision. Yeah, I mean, you could have fucked the hanging witch if you really wanted to. Yeah, but then that's like necrophilia. Like, that's gross. That's just nasty. Well, that's what you have going. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to keep her dead. She's going to stay dead. That was our Conjuring episode. It's kind of weird that we ended up here. Um, I'm still not too happy about it. I didn't think I was going to be, and then I thought it was going to come back. Yeah. I don't know how happy. I mean, it just I'm neutral about this episode in general, just us having to do this in the middle of our fun Amityville stint. Well, we're about to get back to it after the trailers we just watched. We got a lot of shit coming up the pipeline here. Yeah, I'm really sad that it's only four more till we have to do the second Conjuring now, though. I'm kind of just not excited for that anymore. I know. We can always just not do it. Yeah, but I feel like we already did the first one now. We got to just fucking do it. You got to just fucking do it, dude. I'm really not looking forward to that, but I know. Maybe we'll do, we'll do it like the same week we do in Amityville or something so it doesn't feel as bad. Yeah, that's how you know it's bad when you're like, let's just do an Amityville to mull let's it over. Let's just do an Amityville so that we can skip over it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I think we got some, I know, I think we've got some really fucking abysmal shit coming up but also some gems here and there yeah it's gonna be interesting i mean nowadays i look forward to amityville more than any other thing that i cover <laughs> there's yeah just because there's such a wide array of what we may watch yeah it's just, it's just you never know what you're gonna pull kate yeah that's the thing <laughs> caleb and i really don't know what we're getting ourselves into each movie we go into it and even when we think we do 
It usually doesn't turn out to be what we what it is. No, it turns out entirely different every single time. Has not failed. Mm-hmm. But guys, mm-hmm. that was the Conjuring from 2013. So if you don't know, you can send in a horror related question to horrorsubio.com, and I'll answer it on the show. You can also send uh, like a clip of you just telling a story or like asking a question or whatever. Kim does it all the time. I have a few more <laughs> that I have to record and like play later. But uh, you know, <laughs> you hear Kim's all the time. If you want to do it that way, you can do it that way too. And if you guys like the show and want extra content, go check out patreon.com slash horsesoup. Tiers include polls, movie commentary, Tales from the Crypt, Twilight Zone episodes, bonus movie episodes, like full movie episodes, like stuff like this. I think me and James are doing Veronica next month. Um, bonus Amityville-based content, um, fucking trailers, like the trailer that we're watching uh, for this movie, the other Amityvilles. Those are all up on Patreon. Bunch of other stuff. That's all there. Our next Amityville movie is the Amityville Playhouse, a.k.a. <laughs> the Amityville theater definitely watch us watching the trailer for that because there's a very (laughs) genuine confused reaction to that where we did not know it was uh gonna be the fucking phantom of the opera no no I need that video like saved in my in my phone that shit's crazy I'm gonna make that my screensaver with audio (laughs) please play it at my funeral I will (laughs) whichever one dies first or both of us just play it at our funerals it's getting played it's getting played. <laughs> uh, so I want to give a shout out to some podcasts that I enjoy this week. I want you all to listen to Buzz in the Tower, the 80s film podcast, Scareaholics, True Crime podcast, and Brucker's Autopsy of a Horror. Or, uh, uh, oh, I said autopsy right now, and I swore to God that was like the wrong word, and that's definitely the word. Autopsy of a Horror Movie. You know when you say a word and you're like, that's not how you say that. That doesn't sound right. Yeah, it did not sound right when I said that. Uh, but before we sign off, I want to let you all know that I'm watching movies and supplying full commentary and penis jokes and credit often nowadays on twitch.tv slash horror soup the streams have been super fun we've been watching stuff like ice cream truck the first movie we ever covered on the show uh thanks killing silent night deadly night 2 peter rotten tale which we talked about a little bit with the polonia brothers they uh made an amityville that we're getting into soon i wonder if i could just watch that for patreon too i probably can if it's a polonia brother movie probably i'm sure there's no copyright on it <laughs> um and like a bunch of non-sploitation movies thanks to my good friend marissa and if you want to keep up with the show on social media and whatnot, you can follow the Instagram at Horror Soup, Twitter at Horror Soup Sucks, Letterboxd Movie Reviews. I'm at Horror Soup Caleb. Kim is at Kim underscore Shady. Three Ys, baby. Three Ys. And uh, YouTube, Horror Soup, TikTok, Horror Soup. And thank you to Tom, a.k.a. the Mutant Members Only Club, and Ross Lee for making the music that you are hearing on this episode. Would you like some bread? I'll do you a slice with a pinch of salt. It'll taste really nice. You've done really well, cause this stuff tastes just like hell. Swallow it down, it'll fill up a hole. Stick out your tongue and look out your bowl. We're having a bite with creatures of the night. Rubs up, baby, grubs up. Give me horror soup, give me, give me horror soup. Give it, give it. Rubs up, baby, grubs up. Give me horror soup, give me, give me horror soup. Give it, give it. Horror soup, horror soup. Horror soup. We'll keep you well fed It's gorgeous smell Could wake the dead Vegetable is just forgettable If your energy's low You know 